So today we're talking about fear. Fear is a real thing. And today's message is called Gaining Freedom from Fear. Did you know there's only two fears we're actually born with? The psychologists tell us there's only two fears. The first fear is the fear of falling. And the second one is the fear of loud noises. All other fears we have are learned, which means we can unlearn them. How great is that? So we're going to unpack that today and how we can unlearn some of those fears that we learned maybe at a young age, maybe even recently you learned that. And so I believe that God wants to set us free from those many fears. Maybe it's the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of another bad football season. Sorry, that's just my fear. So I was just, that was personal there. Sorry about that. So, oh, I have to apologize. Last week, your Cowboys won. Good job last week. I was like, wow. So, I, yes, exactly. You said, thank you, Jesus. I think that's who caused it. Yes. Unbelievable. They actually won. I couldn't believe it. My Texans still look horrible, by the way, but that's okay. That's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull through this. It's okay. It's all right. So, I want to talk to you about, about freedom from fear, though, because we do live in fear, don't we? So many things we're afraid to speak the truth. We're afraid to speak up. We're afraid to step out and do what God told us to do. But the Bible's pretty clear on this. In fact, first thing I want to tell you to write down is this. There can be no progress in your life without taking risks. There just can't be any progress in your life. It's because you took a risk. If you got married, you took a risk. You had kids, you're definitely taking a risk, Right? I mean, whatever it is that you're doing, you, you are taking risks to do it. Scripture says in 2 Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So we should not be living in fear. God doesn't want us to live in fear. There was a photographer that worked for a local newspaper. He was on assignment. He just finished up. He jumped in his car and he was heading back to the office. On his way back to the office, he was listening to the AM dial and he heard that there was a fire near him. He immediately called his boss and said, hey, I think I'm pretty close to that fire if you want me to go grab some pictures. The boss called back and said, yeah, let's have you get pictures, but let's get some aerial shots. So here's the address of a local small airstrip. We're going to have a pilot waiting for you to take you up. Now, he immediately got nervous, like, oh, no, because he, he has a fear of flying. He doesn't like flying, let alone a small plane. Makes him even more nervous. He was like, uh, yes, sir, I'll be right there. So he, he drives himself to this little airstrip, middle of nowhere. He's real nervous about it. He doesn't want to do it. Sure enough, there's a plane sitting on the tarmac, and he's like, okay, I got to do this. He jumps out of his car, runs to the plane, hops in, and the seatbelt's up and says, okay, let's go. And so they take off. They get in the air. He's kind of nervous about this whole thing. He looks over, sees the fire off a distance. He says, okay, let's go over by the fire. Pilot's like, okay. So they, they start heading over towards the fire. And he says, hey, get a little closer. And the pilot's like, I don't know about this. He goes, no, get closer. I got to get a good shot. And right then the pilot turns to him and says, wait, you're not my flight instructor? <laughs> You'll get it in a second. Anyways, sometimes we have to face our fears head on, don't we? Sometimes we just have that fear. We're like, what do I do with this? But God wants us to learn to face those fears, even when it may seem really scary. You know, when we first started this church 24 and a half years ago. I can't believe it. This January will be 25 years. Can you believe that? That's crazy. See, like, that's cool, but then I feel so old having to say 25 years. That's just crazy, you know? But anyways, we started this church 25, 24 and a half years ago, just about. And uh, we moved down here and we had a little core group that we started to build, went from three or four people to five to 10 to 15. We got up to about 20 or 30 people and we took a huge risk. And here's what we did. We, we, we'd saved up our money. About a fourth of the money we had saved up was, was Jessica and I, our entire life savings we put into it. And then other people had given money from around the country, friends of ours, as well as our core group had given. And so we spent it all in a week, all of it. And so here's what we did. We bought 200, we first rented a school, which there's only 30 of us at best. We rented a school, we bought 200 chairs that we did not need at this point. We're like, we bought 200 chairs by faith, believing that we would need them. Rented the school out. 
Uh, then we decided, we, oh, we bought a sound system, and then we bought some children's equipment. And the children's stuff that we bought was all from garage sales. That's all we could afford. So we just bought stuff and then cleaned it up. So we'd have, you know, places, you know, things for the nursery. We don't do that anymore, by the way. Don't be nervous. Don't go get your kids. We, <laughs> we no longer do that. But anyway, that's not what we could afford. It's cleaned it up, that kind of thing. So, and then we decided we'd do a direct mail piece. We heard some churches in, in Houston and Dallas were experimenting with this and with some success. We thought, let's do a mail piece to our community. So we decided to do two 35,000 piece mailers by faith. This took all of the money we had. So we thought we'd mail one that, that, that introduced a new series in the new church uh, on a certain day, it was January 18th, 1998. That sounds so old. Doesn't that sound like old Jessica saying that? Like, it's the 90s. Oh, my goodness. It's crazy. So anyway, so, so basically, we, we were introduced it. We said, in two weeks, it starts. And so we're going to do a mailer two weeks before. Then we do a second identical mailer that just said this week, right, for that, 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 that Sunday would be the very first service, right? So we ordered these mailers. And uh, they were being printed in Dallas. And so we thought, let's get a label company in Dallas to label them. We didn't have any local connection yet for any of this. So then they told us how much it would cost to ship it here. We didn't have the money for that. We spent everything. So I had to get creative. I called my dad and said, Dad, can I borrow your van? So I go to Houston, get his van, then drive from Houston to Dallas to get the mailers. Then we start driving back. When we get here, we drop them off at the mail house to get them all mailed out. And they say to us, hey, by the way, did you know that they intermixed all those mailers together? I was like, what? They said, oh, yeah, like one mailer for one address says in two weeks, and the next one beside it says this week. They're all intermixed. They, did, they didn't separate them. I'm thinking, I just blew every penny our church has on a mailer that won't work. So we quickly stopped, well, let's get our heads together, let's get creative. So we thought, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll wait a week, mail them all at the same time. We'll go back, because they're all intermixed together, and let's get them all relabeled. And so instead of sending two 35,000 piece mailers one week, then the one the next week, the same people, we sent 70,000 pieces, because then they all worked if we just waited a week. Some of them said this week, some of them said the date, either way it worked. So we sent 70,000 pieces out instead. So our mistake turned out to be a good thing. And the first week of Bay Area Fellowship, as we used to be called, we went from 30 people to 236 people in one week, and our church was born. That's how we started it. It was crazy. Now, I've got to be honest, that could have been a disaster. But God protected us, but we had to take that risk. And it came through. I could certainly list off 50 ways things didn't come through. There's all of that as well. But God always takes care of us. And so sometimes the greatest risk you can take is not taking a risk. So we have to be willing to take risks for God, step out in faith for us to believe God for more. Let me just ask you a question. Are you risk averse? Are you scared of taking risks? If you think about all the good things in your life, there was a risk involved, all of them. And so you have to be willing to still take risks Hebrews eleven six says this, and without faith, it's impossible to please God, to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So God says really clearly, it's impossible to please me without faith. So God wants you to take steps of faith. Faith is the opposite of fear. We have to be able to step out. So that means number two, you cannot please God by playing it safe. We have to step out in faith. So when we first started the church, we spent down everything we had and it launched the church, right? Well, this week, 24 and a half years later, we just did it again. Here's what we did. You know what? We started this offering. We did this, our annual offering this year was called Leaving a Legacy. The people could give a certain amount and have their name put on the wall. We're still working on the wall. We're getting that done, by the way. That's coming. But we just had all the money come in for that. And, and if you didn't quite make it, it's, it's not too late, but just letting you know. But we just had all the money come in. We've been saving up money on top of the offering as well. And so this week, we just paid down our debt. We paid down $11 million in debt. <laughs> Praise God. 
incredible. So we just halved our debt, but my favorite part about this is it's going to save us $500,000 in interest that now gets to go directly into missions and ministry. How great is that? From now on, every year. It's incredible. That's the good news. The bad news is we spent everything we got. Like there's, we have about this much left that we have to have like required by the bank, you know, but we just said, let's just do it by faith. We spend on everything we have. So the good news and the bad news is just the good news is that we paid down a lot of money. The bad news is we don't have any money left. So actually there is some good news. We actually do have money left. It's just still in your pockets, which you need to transfer from your pocket. To the... So you guys know what to do. We trust in God and we also trust in this amazing church that we'll be fine. We just ask you to stay generous. God's good, isn't he? We're just taking steps of faith, taking steps of faith. So praise God. We have to continue to live by faith. Take those huge steps of faith. You know, one of our core values is this. Our core value is this, risk. Risk-taking is a core value for us. It means that we are a, a go big, all in church. Will you be a go big, all in Christian? And just live by faith and step, take steps of faith. Now, here's some good news about that. It says in Isaiah 46, it says, Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. That's God's word to us. Here's what that means for you and me. Number three, God establishes the ending and then gives you the faith to the, for the beginning. Isn't that cool? God establishes the ending and then he gives you the faith to begin, but he knows where it's going to end. He already knows how it's going to work out. It says in Philippians 1, he says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So he's going to complete what he started in you, but he already knows. He already, he already has a designated end for the beginning that you start. So go ahead and start by faith and trust the Lord. Can I give you a little insight into our little church plant that we started years ago? This is our second church plant. We started one before this. We were a part of a church planting team in Dallas. Actually, it was in Irving, Texas. That's where the Cowboys used to be located. I think that's why it didn't work because there was so much, you know, sin everywhere right by the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Anyways, no, I'm just kidding. But we planted this church with a team. I was not the senior pastor. I was on staff. Eventually, he resigned about a year in, and they, they, they asked me to be the senior pastor of this little church plant. It was a disaster. It did not work. It failed miserably. In fact, the largest we ever got to church is about 75 people. That was like an Easter for us. I mean, we could not get this thing off the ground. We were trying all the same stuff that we do here. I was preaching the same kind of messages there as I do here. It just was not working. I went to the elders and, you know, they were like, hey, pastor, pray about the vision for the next step for the church. And I prayed and I came back and I said, like, here's the vision God gave me. I want to reach the next generation for Christ. And they're like, whoa, whoa, you act like you don't want to, you don't care for older people. I said, no, no, we do. We just want to design church for, for young people and young people at heart, meaning that like so many churches are very traditional. We just really feel led to, to reach this next generation. And they said, we don't agree with that. And they said, go pray again. I was like, oh, okay. So I go pray again. I come back and they're like, the Lord told me the same thing twice. And they're like, we don't want to do that. So now I, I, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I don't know what to do. This is all going, this is over several months. I went to my wife, by the way, and I was like, hey, babe, I really think we should go start another church. And she said, are you kidding me? Like the one we're at now. I was like, well, yeah, but hopefully they'll succeed. You know, so this is not going well, right? She's like, are you serious? This poor woman, I put this woman through all kinds of stuff. I feel so bad for her. So one day I, I come home from, where, uh, from, from seminary. I was, I was finishing up my seminary classes. And uh, I, Jessica is pregnant at this point. We're expecting Mason. Little Mason's on his way at this point, right? And so, I mean, there's, you know, she's thinking we could really use like maybe working at an existing church with an existing paycheck, existing people, existing buildings, that kind of stuff, you know? 
And so I just felt so strongly about church planting. One day I come home and I just went and interviewed for a job. And I came to the house and she said, hey, what do y'all dress up for? I said, oh, I just interviewed for a job. She said, oh, where? And she's probably thinking like maybe a church job. So I said, uh, I interviewed at a car dealership. She was like, why? Bill, we're, you're, you're called to the ministry. I said, no, no, God called me to start a church. If I can't, if, not gonna, if I'm not gonna obey God, I might as well just go sell cars. And she just stopped and she literally goes, oh, okay, fine, we'll plant a church. <laughs> and that's how it went, you know, just like, I'll take it, let's go. But I love the faith, honey, that you had, that you had to get God's will secondhand through me. And even with everything around you not working, you had the faith to still come here with me and look what God has done 24 and a half years later. So sometimes you take a risk from the position of failing and God still comes through. You know what? I'm so thankful that first church, you know what? I learned so many lessons on what not to do that helped me with what to do. And so God is even in the middle of your failures. God helped you start something that didn't work too. And he has a plan for that. You learn lessons you need for the next step. So even if things aren't working out, God is still with you. God's hand is still on you. Do not get scared to take risks. God is still with you even when things don't go according to plan. They're going according to his plans. And he has a plan even when it seems dark. Even when it doesn't make sense, God still has a plan. Here's another important verse on this, by the way. Check this out. Deuteronomy 33 says this. The God of old, I love that. Why would it say the God of old? God's saying the same God, the God of old who helped David, who parted the Red Sea for Moses, who was there for Mary, who was there for, for, for uh, the apostles, for the apostle Paul, for Esther. I could go on and on all through scripture. The God of old who gave the miracle after miracle is the same God you have today. Isn't that good to know that? Same God says this. The God of old is your dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. He, gives, he drives out the enemy before you and commands destroy. So what's he saying? He says, he says his everlasting arms are underneath you. So God says, hey, go ahead and take that jump. Jump by faith, like Van Halen style, right? Might as well jump, right? So take that step of faith. If you're older or younger, you're like, who's Van Halen? I don't know this. <laughs> Sorry. So, but if you take that leap of faith, know this, even if you fall, God says, my hands are underneath you to catch you. I've got you. So you can trust the Lord that he will catch you. So if you know the Lord's hands are underneath you, why wouldn't you jump? Why wouldn't you go for it? Why wouldn't you take a leap of faith? And so I want to encourage you that God is not only above you, God is underneath you too. And he will catch you when you fall. You can trust in the Lord. You might might as well jump. You might as well take that step of faith. George Foreman, in his book, uh, God is in my corner, he tells a great story. It says, he talks about God being God of the storm. He tells, he tells of an older lady that he knew that was very spiritual. And he said to this woman, he said, what's your favorite Bible verse? And she said, that's easy. It came to pass. And he said, well, Okay, where's that at? She says, it came to pass. It's all throughout the Bible. She said, in fact, it says it came to pass 463 times in the King James Version. And so she, he said, your favorite verse is, she said, came to pass. That's my favorite verse. And he said, why would that be your favorite verse? And she said, because it's simple. When trials come my way, I know my trials didn't come to stay. They came to pass. Isn't that good? God's got you. I love that. 
So whatever you're dealing with, you're going to get through this. You can overcome this. So do not become risk averse. Do not become scared. Do not become fearful just because things aren't going exactly like you want. You need to know it came to pass. It will come and it will also go and you will be just fine. Just want to encourage you with that. Don't worry. It came to pass. Speaking of that, by the way, let me say we live in fear now. People are so scared of all kinds of things. And one of the things we're afraid to do is, is to tell the truth. Can we be honest right now in the house of God? Can I just tell you right now? We're scared to speak truth. We're literally terrified to say simple truths. And so I just encourage you that the truth is on your side. And so we don't need to live in fear. You know, right now, I, there's two truths that, that, that I, I became really scared to, to share at church. I was like, why am I, why am I scared of fear? I, I, I speak truth is what I do for a living. But we're scared to say things like marriage is for a man and a woman. That's what the Bible says very clearly. It also says in the Bible, did you know this? It says, it says that God created us male and female. It doesn't give a third option. It's male and female. And it got real quiet in here. They're like, oh my gosh, he's going there. He's going there. I can't believe he's going there. <laughs> Isn't it funny how we're now scared of the most basic things? But just, can I just help you with this a little bit? I'm not saying to speak truth angrily. I don't think we should speak truth rudely, but we should speak truth in love. And so it's okay to tell people when they say, well, why do you believe that? Because the Bible says that very clearly. But we're now afraid. Did you know that the most famous clinic in all of the world that does transgender surgeries, that does surgery reassignment where a man can supposedly become a woman, a woman supposedly become a man? Did you know that they just had to close down in Europe? You know why? It's called the Tavistock Clinic. Look it up. You know why? They're being sued to an oblivion because everyone is injured. They are disfigured and nothing is working anymore. They literally can hardly go to the bathroom. Do you want to be a 20-year-old with a colostomy bag attached to you? That's what they're not telling you. You cannot transition someone effectively. It doesn't actually work. Why? Because God made you to be male or female. And let me just say, I'm not bringing this up because I don't love people. I'm bringing this up because I do love you. And I know the stats that you, you if you actually go through with the surgery that you think is going to make you happy, there is a 400% increase in you committing suicide after the surgery. So you're being lied to. And so I feel it's my job as a pastor to not be afraid to tell you the truth in love. Please protect your children from these liars. Okay, moving on. So, it says in Matthew 28, Jesus says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And lo, I am with you always. He says, All the power, I've got it now. This is after Jesus rose again from the grave. He says, I got all the power from heaven and earth. And he says, What? Go make disciples and what? I'm with you. Isn't that good? I have a friend in high school. His name was Sam. Actually, I've known him since junior high. And so I, I was one year older than him. Sam was, I remember in seventh grade, he played on the seventh grade A team. I played on the eighth grade B team. Don't make fun of me. I was still on the team, all right? because they legally required to let me be on the team. That's why I was on there, but that's okay. One day, the eighth grade boys football team, the B team practiced. They scrimmaged against the seventh grade A team, thinking that would make it fair. Oh, no, no. The seventh grade B A team destroyed us. I mean, it was so bad. I ended up somehow lined up directly uh, opposite Sam, okay? And so they put me on defense at this moment. He was on offense. He literally, when the play was called, he pushed me 30 yards back from the actual guy. I mean, it was so pathetic. And eventually knocked me on my butt. I mean, it was, it was so bad. But he was my friend. Thank God. He was being nice. This was his nice play. 
He's, I mean, I'm telling you, this guy was huge. He literally knocked me down. He literally picked me up. Come on, Billy. He picked me up. He just carried me. Come on. You know, I was like, okay, thanks, man. I appreciate that. He was so big. Sam went on to play. He was the number one blue chip in his senior year of high school in all of America. He went on to play for Texas A&M University in 91 through 94. Then he went on to Seattle Seahawks, played for 10 years in the NFL. It was incredibly big. I'm, when I say Sam's big, I'm not kidding. Massive, massive guy. Sam was my buddy. I would hang out with him. One time, a couple guys were coming at me, and I, and, and I was not very big. I was kind of like, like I was, I mean, I'm not that big now. I was really small in high school. I was like an amoeba. You know what I'm saying? I was very tiny. Sam was massive. So one time, I'll never forget, he got between me and these two guys. He goes, hey, hey guys, y'all quit picking on Billy. So he told him, you quit picking on me. And I was behind Sam going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only because Sam was in front of me, you know. And he was like, you guys, you guys leave me alone, right? But he was my buddy. And so, he, so I knew I was fine because I had a really big friend. He had all the power. Did you know Jesus is inside of you when you ask Christ in your life? And he's got all the power. So you don't need to be intimidated. I just want to encourage you, don't, don't live fearful. Jesus, number five, Jesus is with you and he has all the power. Isaiah 41.10 says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand like Sam. <laughs> I had the last part. But the truth is, is that God says, I am with you. I will protect you. If you he, listen, I may be the last one saying the stuff I just said one day, but if it's just me and God, I'm still a majority. I'm not going to live in fear, guys. I'm just not going to do it. Oh, what if Twitter cancels you? Then I'll go out to eat. I don't know. I'm... I, I, they don't have power over me. I don't care what they think of me. Does that make sense? I care what he thinks of me. That's what matters. That's what matters. So we have to trust in the Lord and not be afraid to speak up. Last thing I want to tell you is this. I love the scripture in Haggai chapter 2. I'm sure you read Haggai all the time. Haggai chapter 2. It says this. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, I love this. When it speaks of the temple, we are the temple of God. We house God in us. I don't know if you knew that or not. That's why when Jesus said the temple will be torn down and be rebuilt in three days, he was actually referring to himself dying and come back to life. So we house God. Jesus, when we ask Christ in our life, he comes inside us, right? That's why God says don't defile the temple. Why he's saying don't defile you? Because you, you carry Christ in you. Right? And so he says what? He says the, the, the glory of the past will, will, will be superseded by the glory of the future. What does that mean? It means God wants you to go from glory to glory. It says that in 2 Corinthians 3.18. He wants that we'll be transformed. We'll go from glory to glory. What that means is this. You're going to get better and better. Maybe you're not real happy with where your life is now. Follow the Lord. It'll just get better. And it'll just get better. And it'll just get better. And just get better. And then your kids will do more than you're doing. I believe that. God wants us to go from glory to glory. What does that mean for you and me today? Let's get practical. That means this. Your new level is on the other side of your comfort. So you have to do something you've never done before to have something you've never had before. Let me say that again. You have to do something you've never done before to have something you've never had before. You've got to get past your comfort zone and live in the faith zone for God to do something in your life. Right now, would you just take a moment and bow your heads right now? Maybe God's speaking to you that it's time to do something big. Maybe he's talking to you. Maybe you just came here to support a family member getting baptized and you had no idea God was going to talk to you today. Praise God. Isn't God good like that? Maybe you just tuned in. You just, someone, you just stumbled upon us online and here you are with us right now. Praise God. Maybe this first time you've been in jail and you keep seeing this spiky hair preacher on the TV, but you actually listen this time. And God's speaking to you that he's not done with you. He's not through. God, there's something new for you. I just met a man 
young man last service. He just got out of Garza. He just got out of prison seven months in. I said, praise God, you have freedom now, man. Go do something big with your life. I was just encouraging him. I said, man, get a job, any job, just take it, get started. And then stay away from those friends that got you in that bad place to begin with. Start fresh. God has a new plan for you. I love that. I love it. Praise God. God's doing something new in you. I just want to encourage you today. What's God speaking to you? Where do you need to go beyond your comfort zone and do something new? God will stretch you. He will grow you to do something new. If you want something different, you got to do something different. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if God's speaking to you, giving you a faith move, would you just lift your hand high and say, God, I just commit that to you. I know what you're telling me. I already know what you're telling me, God. Will you obey him today? Praise God. There's hands going up all across our churches right now. Those who are online, you just lift your hand high. If God's speaking to you, telling you to do something, do something new, do something different. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Did you know that God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you and me? You talk about a faith step. Jesus took off his heavenly robes and put on flesh and blood and became a baby. He trusted his life in our hands so that one day he could die for our sins and that we could trust our life in his hands. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never given your life to Christ, you can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer. Just pray this prayer with us. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin and I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord and be my savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just gave your life to Christ, would you just lift your hand high right now? If you just gave your life to Jesus, just hold your hand high. Praise God, there are hands going up all across our churches. Thank you. Praise God, hold your hand high. Thank you, Rockport Fulton, hold your hand high. Thank you, praise God. Thank you online. Just let us know in the text chat right now. You can just text my hands raised. Just hold your hand high. Just do it right now. Would you do that? Right here at the broadcast, praise God. Thank you, Stone Oak. Praise God, hold your hand high. All the way in the back there at Padre Island. Praise God, we see you. Praise God, thank you. Hold your hand high. Thank you. Thank you, Rodfield. Hold your hand high. Praise God. God's doing something new, fresh. Right there at Rodfield. God's moving. God's moving. Praise God. Hold your hand high. Hold your hand high. Father, we thank you for these decisions for people who just gave their life to Jesus. Thank you, God. They took a step of faith, and you've blessed that. Thank you for those who took a step of faith in obedience and baptism today. Thank you for all of us get to take a step of faith today. You're speaking to each one of us uniquely because that's how you roll, God. Thank you for that. We thank you for your word today. In your name we pray. No God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.